it's a holy week, right? From heaven's standpoint, this is a holy week. This is the week that Jesus actually came um, walking in. That's why you see these these palm branches where he was being celebrated by, but by Friday, um, he was already condemned to death and he was hanging between heaven and earth for us by this Friday. So this is a very holy week. This is the week of Gethsemane. And um, it is a time that God wants you to, uh, to lean in and let him minister to you. Um, because I believe the big picture of what God is doing, even inside of this series, is there's things that God wants to release inside of our heart. How many of you know God wants you to be a champion? God wants you to be a champion. God wants you to win every single day. And um, even last week, and we'll jump into it in just a second, um, even last week, what we began to talk about is that there is an impartation that God is releasing inside of your heart. And we said a door was cracked open, and because it's a beginning, and the impartation that God is releasing is his gift of faith. All right, there's faith that you can steward. There's faith that's called a measure of faith in Romans 12. But God is wanting to give us something. And the reason why is because as his son or as his daughter, he wants you to win. He wants you to win. And um, he wants you to win so much that he came to die and to defeat hell and to defeat the enemy and to defeat every single thing and then give us the victory, but at the same time to give us his faith because that's how he works inside of the earth. Does that make sense? And it's so good, and he's so awesome. And, um, you know, there's nothing about God that he doesn't want you to win every single day. So the title of this message is The Cross Became the Throne. If you didn't get to listen to it, if you wasn't here last week, we have it up online. I would encourage you to check it. I'm going to do a simple recap. But I want to jump into um, part two tonight. And Pastor Nate was all inside of um, what we're talking about. And when that happens, um, though I haven't talked to him about my message it just shows you there's a prophetic stream flowing. There's ways that God will speak to you tonight through how he's done with Pastor Nate, through my message. But when there's a prophetic stream flowing, that means that God's going to want to breathe on some things even as we speak and tailor it to you tonight. Does that make sense? Because he didn't have a clue what I was going to talk about. And it's inside this vein. So because of that, we have a witness. And God wants to just really just speak to your heart tonight. Amen. So the cross became the throne in our opening text is Psalms 97, verse 2, and it should be up on the screen. It says, clouds and darkness surround him. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Clouds and darkness surrounding us. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And a, a simple recap is from what we talked about last week is, you know, from eternity past, this was God's plan. God's plan was he saw that mankind was going to mess up. He knew he was going to mess up, and because his throne is established in justice and righteousness, he couldn't go forward unless he had a plan, and the plan was going to be Jesus was going to die. He saw this actually happen in heaven. He saw it happen in his heart. He saw his son die. He saw his son being raised from the dead. He saw his son being judged for us, and because of that, he could actually rule a verdict in heaven before we were ever created and saying, you are free. That in itself, guys, listen to me, that in itself should create so much faith inside of my heart that before time began, God had a plan. Amen? God had a plan. He had everything figured out, and he loved us so much that he didn't ball us up. Think about it for a minute. This creation is not going to work. I could just start over. I'm a creator. But he wanted to demonstrate himself, which is love, 
That's what we're going to get into now. He's going to demonstrate himself by dying. And inside of that, that releases so much faith in my heart. Not only that he loves me, but that he's got everything mapped out, everything that I'm going to come into contact with and be challenged with. If he had a plan to save me, then he's got a plan to save me every single day. Every single situation, there was a plan from eternity. Are you with me? He is that big. Scripture says before time began. Does anybody understand that? Like before time began. Before God created time, God said, I had everything figured out for you. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. So Friday, this Friday at noon, you begin to see this scripture manifested. 2,000 years ago, the Son of Man came into the earth. The Son of Man came into the earth, and he was willing to lay down his life. They didn't put him on that cross. He chose to get on that cross for us. And getting on that cross, that which the most horrible, the most painful, the most degrading, he chose to get on that cross and God made that cross into his throne where he judged. He judged sin first. Listen, now I'm putting it. He judged sin first before he judged Satan. He judged sin. He judged the enemy. He judged every single thing that we would ever face. And he did it in our place. He did that in our place so that we could walk in victory. Did you ever notice the crown of thorns on Jesus' head? There is nothing without significance. Nothing is without significance. And because God loved us so much in the beginning, God would not curse man, but the ground was cursed. Therefore, he even took the curse that was on the ground on his head to show you this was how you were reigning. You were reigning under a curse. I'm going to take that on me, and I'm going to give you my crown of glory when I rise from the dead. Everything he did, he did for you in our place so that we could reign or so that we could win. And even last week as we began to talk, God is releasing inside of your heart his very faith. And like what Pastor Nate was talking about, inside of the challenging moments, God's wanting to brew, build, stimulate, breathe on his conviction in your heart. That's what faith is. It's the very conviction of God. It's the persuasion of God so that you stand firm and you're not moved. Every single day you're going to face something. Everybody who is breathing, you face some type of pressure every day. Satan, don't take a day off. Thank God he's defeated and we don't give him any props. But we need to make sure we take his mask off and we can see what scripture says. One day we're going to look at Satan and say this. That's the thing that shook me. No, for real, you're going to look at it. You're going to be like, that's a chihuahua. They tried to act like a bulldog. That's the thing that shook the nations. That's the thing that bothered me. God doesn't want us to get to a place where we're like, I can't believe I let that thing mess with me like that. Because he's so defeated and God so exalted you and he wants to continue to release, impart, impress his very substance, his very faith inside of your heart so that you have conviction persuasion, stamina. Nothing moves me but what God says. Are you with me? You have a line, a line drawn in the sand. I stand on this side. That was the beginning. 
Now, I want you to hear me on this. It is the beginning. A door was cracked open. God was releasing things inside of our heart. But there is an expectation from God that we embrace, that we walk, all right, that we move further in what he's doing. Listen to me, church. We, we don't want to just come and listen. We want to come. We want to listen. We want to act, all right? We want to make sure we act. And last week, I know there was things that God was putting on our heart where he wants to move us from a place of I'm receiving, but now I'm growing inside of it. All right, I can feel it. It's like my heartbeat. I can feel it. And that means God moves on your heart opportunities, thoughts. Maybe he wants to speak to you, etc. He's wanting to build this impartation. Well, it begins to expand on the inside of you. And it gets stronger. And it gets stronger. Well, you can say like Abraham, I am fully persuaded. I am fully persuaded. Because today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the clouds and the darkness that surrounded him at noon. Creation bowed down because the king was being judged. Creation itself did. It's interesting because God wants to show us that you have the victory. I have won it for you. But as long as you're on this side of heaven, you live inside of a fallen world, I'm not allowing the enemy to just try to come and overtake you. No, listen, I've given you the victory. I want you to take it to him. I want you to take it to your world. I want you to take what I've given you and take it to the world. And because of that, there will be days of clouds and darkness. But he's given us the victory. Do you hear what I'm saying? God don't have Satan on a leash. He defeated him. If anybody's got him on a leash, it's us. Sit down. Real talk. Sit down. He says whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. He didn't say he was going to bind and loose for you. I've defeated the enemy. Scripture actually says in Hebrews 10, it says he's waiting. He sat down and he's waiting till the enemy has made his footstool, his enemies. And went to go feed the homeless Saturday. And there was a young girl there that was so demonized. She was so demonized. I was busting tables. So we have a team going down there. And sometimes you can sit at the table. You can be a host person. You can pray with people. You can talk to people. And as I'm walking by and I see this young girl, I said to Marcus, I was like, I, talk to that girl. And for everybody else, they were just looking. She just kept rocking back and forward, slapping herself. And for someone else would say, well, she's just weird. No, man. Mm-mm. No, the enemy had got a hold of her. Probably something very horrible has happened to her or is happening to her. She's on the street. She's eating food that's being given. And I couldn't do it because I'm serving, doing busting tables. But I watched as Marcus prayed and kept holding her hand, bringing freedom. It wasn't full freedom, but there was a measure that was released inside of this young girl's heart. Listen, Jesus has called us has called us to put ourselves in a position where we're not scared. We're not fearful. Guys, listen, I want you to come. I want you to hear a message, but we don't want to just come just hear another message. 
Like after Easter, we're going to actually peel into something. What we're going to talk about, man, we got to bring this out. We got to bring the resurrection out. We got to bring it out. Yeah, too many churches, man. We come, we hear a message. All right? And then we come back, we hear a message. And we should be, Scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come as a family, learn, connect, do life with each other. But man, if I'm not doing anything with it, if I am not bringing the pain to Satan, and that's the mentality that God wants us to have. He says you should bring it to him. Like really, quit praying. Quit praying. Just, just pick a mountain. Pick one. God will say, I'll back you up. I'll back you up. Just pick one. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm telling you sometimes that's what we do. We just, we, we get, we get caught up inside of, you know, the discipline. We get caught up and we, we, we enjoy it. We should. But then we get stuck there and we're not actually moving in a direction where that lifestyle should push me into something while I'm conquering something. And when you do, you're going to face clouds and darkness. There's going to be mystery. There's going to be the unknown. And God wants to so solidify your heart that he never lets us down, that he's always faithful. I used to hate that song we sang in church called, you know, God might not come when you want to, but he'll come on time. I used to hate that song. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, he's faithful. <laughs> yeah. He says today's the day of salvation. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians 6 2. And he says, We labor with him. Today's the day. The word salvation don't mean you going to heaven. Not in that text. That text deals with, God says, today is the day for somebody to be healed, somebody to be delivered, somebody to be born again, someone to experience Jesus. Yeah. God wants us to bring it. Amen? You guys hype? You, got, you ready to go? Y'all can just run out the door right now. Seriously, yeah, let's just run out and just start doing something. First Saturday of the month, we, we, we serve the homeless. If you, you want to get involved, you know, I, uh, it's, we used to do it every week. We do it the first Saturday. And this last Saturday was my first time. I haven't went in a while. And I was telling Tamika and some different people that went, I was like, this is so my jam. I'm not joking. I would ra- I, I'm not lying to you. I would rather do that than preach. No, for real. I would rather be in that environment and I was busting tables. I'd rather be, like, talking to people and praying for them because I get to do that, too, when I go down there. I would rather be doing that than preaching up here. I'm telling you. Do something. Do something with this Jesus. Do something with this Jesus. And we should expect, we should expect some form of mystery. We should expect some form of clouds and darkness That text is dealing with the fact that when God the Father came down and judged Jesus for those three hours and he put the sin of the world on us. And I want you to hear this because I believe in this service today, there's going to be a baptism that God gives you and it's going to be a baptism in his love. He wants you to see what he was willing to do for you. Jesus did not go to sleep for three days. Jesus did not go to heaven for three days. Jesus wasn't in a tomb for three days. Jesus was in hell for three days. The judgment sent him to the place that was our place. 
Scripture says, he who ascended first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He's the one that says in Revelations 1, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And he says, I have the keys to Hades. Where'd he get them? Because he was there. It is the craziest thought process that God was going to die spiritually. Never happened before. It takes me to Gethsemane now, and you would have to ask the question, you really haven't ever done this before. Like, how do you redeem something that's eternally damned? How do you raise something back? Colossians 1 says Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. There was other people raised from the dead in Scripture. He was the firstborn from the dead. He was brought back from spiritual death so that you never have to die. Now we can begin to open our eyes and see when he says you must be born again. He did so much. Let me take you for a moment to Gethsemane. Gethsemane is this week. And Jesus is praying. And nobody's with him. He takes his guys, but they're falling asleep. He says, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. But they fall asleep. They're not there. It's very interesting because even in Jesus' humanity, he needed someone to have his back. That's why it's so important to be in community. You've got to walk with people that's got your back. You're not supposed to do it alone. They fell asleep. He praised his prayer three times, let this cup pass from me. What was he talking about? Was it just the cup of suffering? It could have been. That in itself is enough that I have to die not knowing what's going to happen. Great drops of blood begins to come from him. But I believe that Jesus had more insight because he kept saying, can there be another way? He's asking the father the question, can there be another way? Do I have to drink this cup? What are you talking about? Was it just death? I don't think it wasn't the reason why it was because Jesus talked about this as he walked the earth. He says the son of man will lay down his life and be raised back up. But I think the closer he got to the cross, the father began to show him what it was going to take to redeem mankind. In the book of Numbers chapter 5, there's this crazy passage. There's some crazy stuff in the Old Testament. Y'all need to read that stuff, seriously. You, you won't watch Netflix that much. <laughs> I'm like, man, what the world? You know, some of the stories in there, I'm like, man, this is definitely not rated PG. Yeah. But you got this passage of a man being jealous of his wife. And it talks about the spirit of jealousy coming upon him. And he takes water. And he begins to take dirt from the tabernacle and begins to put the dirt inside of the, the water. And it is to make the woman drink when he feels the woman's been unfaithful, but though there is no witness. And if the woman's been unfaithful, what's going to happen is that her thigh will begin to rot and her belly will begin to swell, but it says she will become a curse. And it's called the waters of bitterness. I think this was the beginning taste when Jesus said, No. I, 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 I don't know anything like that. 
Why, why, why would you ask me to drink that? Jesus had to become us so that we could become him. There's a word called reconciliation in the Bible, and the Greek word is catalyst, which means a divine exchange. He didn't just die for you. He died in your place so that you could become who he would be when God raised him from the dead. That means born again, eternal life right now inside of you. Eternal life is vibrating within you. God, teach us that. Just teach us that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, when he was rebuking the Pharisees about the signs they were asking for, he says, no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so will the son of man be in the heart of the earth. Listen to me. I dare you to go read the book of Jonah chapter two and explain to me how someone could be going down the side of the ocean and all of a sudden it goes from teeth to bars. And how the language begins to change from a fish to a prison cell. And if you read the book of Jonah, it is one word, rebellion. God said, go that way, Jonah. Jonah went that way. It is the story of all of us. Every single one of us, to a degree, rebelled against God. And Jeremiah 25 talks about a cup of rebellion. Jesus was like, I don't know anything but affection for you, Father. I don't know anything but love for you. How, how could I rebel against you? And I would dare you to read Psalm 69. Because Psalms 22 is the one we're familiar with. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you read Psalm 69, you'll begin to see how the Son of Man descended into the lower parts of the earth and how you can see the cup of bitterness and the cup of rebellion coming out of him. And that was our destination. That was our lot unless he changed something. I can remember one time when God asked me to stay in prison. Will you stay? And he took me on a journey and began to show me what he was willing to do. What he was willing to do for me. To change. To change my yes to, I'll never tell you no again. I'll never tell you no again. It's so wrecked me for the love of God. Like real talk, my, my life has been a vagabond. I've moved, moved, go here, go to this city, go to this city. It's like every time I get some roots, God's like, all right, it's time to move. Ask my wife. They're like, how big? And the purpose of sharing this is so that you can be baptized inside of his love. And even that in itself has championship written all over it because faith is divinely energized by love. Even though God began to impart faith into your heart, even week two, though he's wanting us to come into contact with his love in a new level, it is to energize that which he's already doing inside of your heart. I want to energize the very faith that I put inside of you by releasing a baptism in love. Are y'all with me? You guys good? He so loves us. Through all eternity, we'll always be able to see how much he loves us. 
through all eternity. There's never a way to fully grasp how much he loves us. It's going to be fun. So Jesus dies this Friday at 12 o'clock, actually at 3. He dies. And you can begin to see clouds and darkness because the apostles, it shows you this, all right, they were scared and rightfully so. Yeah. They hid themselves. Even though Jesus had spoke, declared, and said what was going to happen, they hid themselves because they find themselves immediately behind the cross. They find themselves inside of clouds and darkness, and they're fearful. And Jesus has accomplished so much in the strategy of the enemy. Pastor Nate hit a good point right on the head. He always wants to change your increase, your times and seasons. God wants you to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and the enemy's always trying to wear you out so that you don't get to the next place. Trust me when I tell you this. I lived with Christians. I lived with them. Same word, same Holy Spirit, same presence, same power, same fire, and I watched the pattern. If I don't move from glory to glory, I backslide. Maybe not where you can see it. Maybe I still come to church. Maybe I still pay my tithes. Maybe I still do some of those, you know, jump through those hoops. But on the inside, mm -mm. I've left my first love. I've left my first love. God wants you to be a champion. He's called you to be a champion. He's called you to walk all over darkness. Anybody who's got a son or a daughter knows this. You so want your children to what? Go beyond anything you've ever done. Where do you get that from? You're not that good. You get that from God. Like that is the greatest parable on the planet. Is you and your child. How he loves you. And how he so desires for you to win. God doesn't want us to be like this. Watch this. Sunday is great. I'm in the presence of God. I'm with all the Christians. And all of a sudden, Tuesday, I'm like this. Up, oh, I'm back up. Up, oh, I'm back down. No, he wants us like this. He wants us moving up, you know. He wants us always going up. You know, the most dangerous things inside of the kingdom is when God comes down to bless us and we think that's his actually will. God comes down to bless me, meaning that I do something and I feel the presence of God. You know what I'm saying? I feel God shining on me, and I think that's the will of God. The will of God is for us to always go up, not for him to come down. And because love is so good, he's going to come down and minister to us and love us because his love's unconditional. Does that make sense? We miss it that way sometimes. This is why pastors who fall into sin, they think they're okay. And for a season, everything seems cool. And then they hit a wall of judgment. Because I can feel the presence. God's love. You guys good? God, take us into an ongoing revelation of what you are willing to do for us. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation right now to rest upon each person. Even what we talked about, Lord. Let this image burn us out of our heart that you are willing to burn. You are willing to go to the place of hell for us so that we 
can be your sons and daughters so that we can be your family. Let us see it, Lord. I really encourage you. If you haven't taken notes, we'll have this up on our website. Go back and get the scriptures. Read them. Meditate on them. Get it deep down inside of you so that God can continue to do a work inside of your heart. You can see how much he loves you. So personal. Amen? So I'm going to switch gears for a minute because Pastor Nate was talking about the enemy and the Lord wanted me to unmask that rascal. Unmask that rascal because he is defeated. He's so defeated. But he does have a bark that sounds so intimidating. God wants us to put him on the leash and drag his, I'm going to use another word, butt around. Drag him around and you tell him what to do. Him not telling you. Always up in my thoughts. Always trying to run that mouth. And God's given us so much victory. Well, you can quote scripture. You can plead the blood of Jesus. You have all these weapons, but watch this. There's a weapon that most Christians don't use. It's just called resistance. It ain't happening. Not on your best day. He's got to go. That's it. James 4 says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Just like that. I can't go off into spiritual warfare right now and teach on that. But the reason why we get so confused is because the enemy drops a thought inside of your mind. You deal with him. He's defeated. Everybody say, he's defeated. He's so defeated. And God says, you're so exalted. He says, he's exalted you all right, on his throne, which is far above. It don't say above, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. But what happens is that when he runs his mouth and he shoots that arrow, it activates. Somebody say activate. It activates you. It activates your emotions. It activates your body. And Satan's already took off, and you shadow boxing with yourself. And he's standing back watching. That's why we have to learn who we are. Learn. And as I deal with him, then I deal with, I live inside of a body. I'm not a body. I have a spirit. No, excuse me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I talk to it just like I talk to the enemy. I tell my body, chill. Chill. I tell my emotions, relax. Do y'all hear? Are y'all with me? I live a life of stability. I live a life of victory. I'm walking from glory to glory, and I'm not like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Walk around eggshells to some rascal who's defeated. The enemy's not busy. We are. You ever heard that? Enemy's always busy. Quit saying that. Yeah, put your foot in his blessed assurance. Yeah, tell him to beat it. So two things he tries to do. Bring unbelief and fear. Um, and let me tell you why. Why he wants to bring unbelief is because Unbelief is said in Scripture. It's in Hebrews 3. It might be up on the screen, verse 19. God was taking the children of Israel into this promised land. And God told them, he says, watch this. He says, I raise my hand in an oath. This is what it says in Ezekiel 26. He says, I raise my hand in an oath. God don't need to do that. And he says, I actually got you the best that I could find. Imagine that. And he swore. 
He would bring them in, and it was the glory of all the lands. So God tells the children of Israel this, and it says they could not enter in because of unbelief. Are y'all with me? So the enemy always wants to target you in this area, and the reason why is because your promised land represents the fullness of his love, how you see him and how you see you. If he can stop you in your tracks from entering into what God has already said for you, I'll just do like the children of Israel and I'll just keep going on the same mountain. Well, you never know what God's going to do. I don't know who I am. I'm being a little eccentric for a minute, but listen, that's the same stuff that comes against all of us every day. Is God going to come through? That is, watch this, that is a knock against his love. It's a knock against his character. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The faith of God, the persuasion of God is to establish my heart so that I don't doubt that who he is. Bad English. Who he is. And at the same time, continuously be established in who I am. If I get this right, everything else in life, everything else in life will just flow. Those two things. I'm just going to, I'm not teaching on unbelief. But I would say that the cares of this world... Jesus talked about the parable of the seed and the sower. He says the seeds of the word of God. Let me just proof text it for a minute. The enemy wants to drop seeds inside of your heart of unbelief. Unbelief don't mean that faith's not growing. It just means that somebody sowed another seed inside of your garden along with your faith. Mark 9. The man who cried out and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Faith will still work inside of your heart, but if there's other weeds growing, other things growing, it begins to choke. Are y'all with me? Scripture says the cares of this world. When Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, there was three types of soil. The cares of the world. It chokes the word of God. One of the ways the enemy gets, especially when you're coming to church and you're doing all the things, he tries to get you with this seed right here. It's called busyness. He don't want you at his feet. The enemy don't want you at Jesus' feet. He don't want you being Mary. Now, a true Mary will produce a Martha. All right? I can't just be at the feet of Jesus and don't do anything. All right? But most times we get that backwards. And we get our identity and significance inside of being busy. Do you see what I'm saying? But it is a care. It is a seed where the enemy's trying to choke that which is good that God's actually releasing inside of your heart. All right? I have my glass on, so I can't even tell what time it is. <laughs> Y'all didn't tell me. <laughs> couple more minutes. Say this with me. Lord, I refuse to doubt your word. That's how you respond. Every thought that comes, every thought that comes against the goodness of God, 
you guard your heart. You draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm going to honor the promise. And you guard against that last thing that I just said, a synthetic, all right? A synthetic significance of always being busy. You guard against those, you guard, and you operate inside of those three things. The other thing is fear. And fear is really, is like a tyrant. I like to call him an imp. Scripture calls him in 1 John a tormenting spirit. And if you read the book of 1 John, John was the apostle that they couldn't kill. And if you read 1 John, you're going to see this. You're going to see fear and you're going to see love. Notice what God is doing inside of the service today. He's releasing a baptism of love which removes fear. Are you with me? Scripture says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Do you know when the Apostle Paul wrote that, do you know that he was about to get his head chopped off? Do y'all know that? Put that back in its context. No, for real. That was his last letter. And that letter opens up with faith. He says, you got your, he's talking to Timothy, he says, you got your grandma's faith, and you got your mama's faith. And then he goes in and says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. I've gifted you. He says, I'm not ashamed of the testimony, testimony of Jesus. Come on. I'm not ashamed of the testimony. I'm not scared to share. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. And he wraps up in chapter 4 when he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's pivoting. Bookends on each side. And God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. He had clouds and darkness surrounding him. He was about to get his head chopped off. And he pins this. No matter what you're facing, God says, I have an answer. Yeah. Settle inside of that. Listen, fear can come against the emotions that don't mean that you are being fearful. Does that make sense? Fear tries to paralyze you and get you stop, to stop from operating. But the purpose is love. And what I mean by that is that the enemy does not want you to release that which is in you. The purpose of fear is to stop you from releasing the plan, the gifting, the calling that God has inside of you. Unbelief is to love him. Excuse me, unbelief, he's trying to come against you so that you don't see him and you don't see yourself. But fear deals with you releasing the love of God. And he comes against you and tries to paralyze you so that you're not moving forward. Does that make sense? Just for time, um, let me get the worship team to come on up if you don't mind. Very familiar scripture, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? I shall not want. Some scripture says I shall not lack. He begins to say, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you. And then it comes to a point where he says, you know what? You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's still leading you. I want you to hear me, church. Listen to me. Jesus died on a cross. He rose from the dead. We're going to celebrate that next week. But he did it so that he can lead us. He can lead us into that same freedom for other people. He will lead us in the valley of the shadow of death. And it says, watch this. It says, your rod and your staff, it says, they comfort me. Isn't that interesting? God says, you're going to need some comfort. Like clouds and darkness is going to surround you when you choose to make an impact. But listen to me. He says, I'm going to release a comfort inside of your life. 
And I feel like God always wants to speak to us through the word, the rod, because that language, rod and staff, it both deals with direction. One of the ways that God comforts us is God always wants to give you direction. You ever been faced with something and it's just like, I don't know what to do? It's like clouds on every side. Or maybe if you've been believing for, believing for something, it's taken forever. Like the way that we're comforted is when God swoops in and he speaks. And he might say, continue to do what you're doing. It might be something just like that and it releases so much comfort. You're like, man, this ain't working. Keep doing what you're doing. So the word of God begins to give us direction. The staff is the presence of God. Where God wants to minister to you with his presence. Where you can feel him as you're walking day to day. When it seems like, man, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Alright? So these are promises that God has given us. That his word, his presence will always be with us. But I do believe this. I believe that when there's clouds around us and darkness around us, I feel like the greatest way that God comforts us is when he directs us towards someone. God always wants to get us from being inward focused. Even when, listen to me, even when it seems like all of hell's breaking loose around me, I think the greatest way that we receive comfort when it seems like the promise is not working. My marriage is failing. My dad, whatever the situation is, and it seems like all it is is clouds and darkness, we can become so internally focused on the mountain that I believe that the direction that the Holy Spirit would release, the comfort is, go take it to somebody. Go take the kingdom to somebody. This is what Jesus did in Matthew 14. His cousin, maybe his best friend, his colleague in ministry, the one that knew more than anybody else except Mary, they cut his head off. They cut John's head off. It says when he heard, he went to a, des uh, a deserted place. And the multitudes came. And he took that pain out on the enemy. And he began to heal the sick cast out demons and take the kingdom to other people he himself had to be comforted he had to be comforted when all was around him even as he walked the earth was clouds and darkness are y'all with me there's a lot more but we're going to close let me go and get you guys to stand I really want to give you a step this week alright I want to challenge you I want to challenge you to go find somebody. No, go find them. Go find somebody to bring the kingdom to. Real talk. Like, be so intentional. You might want to do it more than once. You might want to do it seven days. God can show you somebody at the gas station. He can show you somebody at the grocery store. You can even pray and ask God to lead you. Hey, guys, go ahead and say this. Say, say this. Lord, I'm okay if I mess up. Come on. You got to release yourself from that. Man, you told me to drive to that gas station. You want nobody there. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Seriously. In the eyes of God, you didn't mess up. 
because you did it by faith and he still met you there at the gas station. Somebody should say amen to that. Like nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. There's not a time in your life when you're not trying to do something for Jesus that a moment is wasted of your life. That's a word right there. Amen? But you know what? If no one's there, you say, you know what, Lord? Maybe you want to meet with me. And then ask him again. But just look for somebody. Yeah. Look for somebody to bring the kingdom to. And know that Jesus has defeated the enemy. He's made you into a champion. And God wants us to bring that victory to somebody else. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Just say that. Just say it out of your mouth. Jesus, we love you. You can't say it enough because he loves to hear it, just like you do. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. We're all about you, Lord. We don't add you to our life. You are the center of our life. You're not added to our schedule, Lord. You are our schedule. You are our everything, our everything, Lord. You are our everything. We live and move and have our being because of you in you. And Lord, I thank you for the baptism in love. I thank you, Lord, for removing fear even out of our lives tonight. Thank you, Lord, for removing fear out of our lives tonight. Let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment and repent. Lord, forgive us for all fear. Lord, forgive us for all unbelief. Forgive us for every time, Lord, we doubted you and your goodness. And we thank you right now for your healing. We thank you right now for your love just permeating our heart, energizing our faith. We thank you, Lord. So if you're in the room tonight, you have never met Jesus. You've never met him. That means you don't know if you're born again. You don't know if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is the greatest gift that anybody can receive. If you're in the room, this is the gospel. Jesus died for you. He died for you. He hung on that cross for you. He went to hell for you. He was raised from the dead for you. He conquered hell, death, and the grave for you. That's the gospel. And he wants to live in your heart and with you every day and for you to live with him in heaven forever. That's the gospel. If you don't know that with absolute certainty, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in this room today and you feel like, man, I need to get closer to him. I'm going to give you two opportunities. I want to pray with you, but we're also going to have a ministry team come forward um, and be here at the altar and, and know that um, our service, a big part of our service, is for you to come forward and just get someone to pray for you. So if you feel like you're just not where you used to be and you want to be not just where you used to be, but you want to be even further on fire for the Lord, if that's you, you want to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Come on. Be bold, girl. Be bold. That's what I'm talking about. I see you. Come on. 
So let's all pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, light me on fire. Give me your compassion for the world. Let me see you in all your glory. I choose this day to love you, spend time with you, follow you the rest of my life. So I'm going to pray for us and you guys can be dismissed. And if you would like prayer, you can come forward. So Father, I thank you for these incredible people. I thank you for what you did tonight, Lord. We give you all the glory for what you did. This is not about a gifted worship set. This is not about a gifted speaker. We give you the glory for what you did tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the impartation of faith. We thank you for the baptism in love. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that took place because of you, Jesus. We love you so much. I bless every person here. I bless your families. I bless your bodies. In Jesus' name, amen.